Welcome to Podcast at Boatwright. I am Lucretia McCulley, Head of Scholarly Communications at Boatwright Library. Our faculty interview is with Dr. Mary Lee Mifsud, Professor of Rhetoric and Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies. She is the author of a new book, Rhetoric and the Gift, Ancient Rhetorical Theory and Contemporary Communication, published recently by Duquesne University Press. Rhetoric and the Gift, taking as its starting point the Homeric idea of the gift and Aristotle's related rhetorical theory, explores rhetoric not only at the level of the artful response, but at the level of the call and response. Throughout the book, Dr. Mifsud pursues a number of questions crucial to thinking about contemporary communication. Mary Lee, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And to start off our conversation, what inspired you to write on this particular topic? So many levels of inspiration, but the truest and deepest uh, began when I was invited to be an orator on my high school speech team. And that was in the seventh grade. And I was an orator throughout high school and most of college, which meant every week I would go and give a speech for competition. And, um, and I quite loved that. I loved the competition of uh, using words and making arguments. I loved winning. Um, the more I did it, though, the more I noticed there was this other dimension to rhetoric, not just winning, not just competition. But something would happen in my experience with these audiences where sometimes we would all come together and an experience of what I came to understand is solidarity would emerge. And that's hard to do in high school oratory competitions because your audience is really your competitors mm -hmm. or their coaches mm -hmm. or their friends. And so nobody really wants to be in solidarity with you. They want to see you fumble or uh, not win. Exactly. And okay. so when I would experience this solidarity with my audience, I thought that was a very um, distinct dimension of rhetorical power that I liked even more than that power of winning. So when I realized I could study rhetoric in college, I went on to study rhetoric in college and of course in graduate school at my master's program and at my PhD. And I just took a very traditional orientation to studying rhetoric as an idea and a practice through its history and the way we write about rhetoric theoretically. Because I wanted to study this magical power that it seems to have, not only to uh, create a, a competition um, through words rather than through weapons, for example, um, but also to create solidarity in audiences. And as I studied the history and theory, I fell in love with the ancient Greek culture. And I uh, continued to study the ancient Greek dimensions, and in particular, Aristotle's rhetoric, where he focuses on crafting an artful response. So how can we craft artful responses in rhetoric in areas of politics, law, and culture as we try to orchestrate ourselves as a free people and actualize the greatest you know, gifts of, of being human? And so I studied Aristotle and I noticed that not only in uh, the traditional ways that we interpret Aristotle, but then the theories that kind of spin out of that Rhetoric was getting overcoated with this, with its power of winning and its power of 
competition. And most of the traditional histories of rhetoric will point out that it was a great boon to human civilization when we realized we could use words instead of weapons to resolve our conflicts. So this gets celebrated as the best part of the rhetorical art of response is figuring out how to de-escalate conflict through physical violence and instead we use our words. So even though this is a celebrated part of the study of rhetoric, it overcodes it in relationship to war and violence and competition. And there's this whole other dimension that I'm very aware of, of how it creates solidarity. And that seemed to be understudied to me. And I didn't know how to study it. I had to get outside of this coding of rhetoric or this um, historical uh, way of thinking about rhetoric that is uh, rooted in competition. So in my PhD, I had a chance to study with an emeritus professor of philosophy, rhetoric, and classics, Henry Johnstone. And Henry's work is um, focused on the more um, ontological dimensions of rhetoric. And by that, I mean those dimensions that happen prior to the artful response. Those dimensions of rhetoric that call us into a sense of self that um, gives us freedom of choice in how we will recognize ways to resolve situations with words. And this calling of the self that rhetoric uh, has the power to uh, perform became my inspiration to do my work. But really what Professor Johnstone and I did was read Greek together every week <laughs> and talk about philosophy, rhetoric, and classics. And so we'd meet every week for lunch and we would read Greek and we decided to read the Homeric epics, not because of any academic reason, but because of the joy of it. It's really fun to read the Homeric epics in translation in English, but to read it in Greek is just fabulous. And so we decided on the Odyssey and we would get together and we would read the Odyssey in Greek together and just talk about various dimensions. And eventually that developed into my dissertation, thinking about rhetoric as prior to Aristotle's artful response, but rather something that calls people into a sense of self individually and in terms of community. And then as I continued this work on rhetoric, thinking about it prior to the artful response and my love of Homer grew, it dawned on me that Aristotle cites Homer more than he, in his uh, treatment of rhetoric, more than any other author, more than any other writer, thinker. And I thought, what in the world is happening here? And nobody had written on it. So I thought, well, I'll take a look at it and see what's happening. And I started coding these places in Aristotle's rhetoric where he's calling forth the Homeric epics and I start noticing this pattern of something dealing with gift exchange and hospitality with every citation, some dimension of hospitality or gift exchange would be appropriated by Aristotle to theorize rhetoric in this artful response mode. Then I started studying the gift and went to Marcelmos, the gift which um, is kind of the starting place for those of us interested in gift cultures. And, um, and the, the notion of the gift culture is that these cultures orchestrated people prior to the abstract notion of the state. So in our contemporary mm -hmm. world where the state structure is really contentious and crumbling, 
lots of us are asking, mm -hmm. what's after the state? And right. my question is, what's before the state? <laughs> Let's see what the state replaced. And are there dimensions of that economy, of that way of orchestrating ourselves as a people, are there dimensions of that that we could benefit from? And it strikes me that the gift is before the state, that before an abstract notion of the state, people orchestrated their relationships through elaborate rituals of gift exchange and hospitality. That doesn't always mean that those that good things happen right. from that. We still have lots of war in the Homeric epics, for example. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that war and warring is at the heart of the internal logic of the gift. Um, so I started studying gift culture and uh, how Aristotle appropriates Homer. And voila, I discovered what Mary Douglas, who's the introducer and interpreter of Marcel Most the Gift, said that theories of the gift are theories of human solidarity. And I thought, there it is. Right. Coming back around. Coming back too. around. Right. And so if I want to study rhetoric prior to this artful response that really gets overcoded through the idea of competition with words and winning and losing, I, I should take a look at a rhetoric within a gift economy that takes as its goal human solidarity. And, um, and so that, those are the levels of inspiration that inform the book. And um, well, thank you. That's just a fascinating <laughs> story of your journey Thanks. with these questions and with the topic. Thanks. So, thank you. Well, our next question, how do you think the University of Richmond community can use this book to address issues of equity on campus? I love that question. Last year, I participated in a faculty learning community that dealt with critical issues in higher education. And that faculty learning community coincided with the first year of our new president's arrival, Dr. Kutcher, and his emphasis on issues of equity in higher education. Equity is at the heart of the study of the gift and the study of a rhetorical economy or a rhetorical culture that is orchestrated through norms of the gift. When I give you a gift, you are in my debt. To release that debt, you can give me back a gift, mm -hmm. and then we have an equitable exchange. Now, in gift cultures, part of the um, sense of power relations is to always amp up the generosity. Mm -hmm. So if I give you a gift, you give me back a gift, we're equitable, but you might want to make your gift bigger and better than my gift was to you. So at the same time, we chase uh, uh, generosity, escalation of generosity. There's always a sense of as long as we have an equitable approach to our exchanges, we can maintain our solidarity. And so when we study the gift, we're studying these two pillar norms of human relating, generosity and equity. Now, granted, competition's mm -hmm. in there too, right? right? Mm -hmm. and, and trying to trump somebody with greater generosity mm -hmm. can be a very competitive thing, and you can create losers in that situation where people are forever in your debt because you outgave them. But again, that's not um, the only logic of the gift. 
And so these pillar norms of generosity and equity, to, to think of those in terms of our rhetorical exchanges in situations of politics, law, and culture, what would that rhetoric sound like? What kinds of discourses would we invent with each other if we had those norms in our mind? And, um, and so I think studying the gift and these notions of equity can help train more artful responses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they call us into being in different ways. And that difference isn't necessarily the savior, it's just difference. And I would say we need all of the plurality of approaches we can create in order to solve some of the entrenched problems of our you know, present uh, moment. Maybe not even solve them, but to live in them and to manage them without um, further crisis and, and damage to each other. So oh, that's wonderful, thank you. And did students assist you with the research and preparation of this book? I could not have written this book without being a teacher at the University of Richmond with my students. I um, bring it into every class. Uh, this notion of, do we want to learn rhetoric so we can beat other people in competitions with our words? Most of the students are like, yes, that's exactly why I want to study rhetoric. And of course, I, I, want, it, I want that too, and I want that for them. I want them to be very skilled speakers and arguers in issues of politics, law, and culture. But to, to train students in that power without also training them in a wide variety of ethical orientations and wielding that power is like putting weapons in the hands of madmen, Cicero would say, right? So, so every time we talk about the ethics of rhetoric, I bring in the notion of um, gift norms of culture. And, and I have to be very careful not to aggrandize those norms mm -hmm. because they're also quite dastardly um, so it's not like the gift is our savior, but again, it pluralizes our choices. Um, and so every class, my students inspire me to figure out how to get them to see both um, the, of these pillars of the artful response and then that more ontological and ethical dimension of rhetoric that informs or, or um, um, sets us up prior to even getting into the artful response that calls us into being ourselves and with others. And then in particular, I've taught two seminars on the gift. One was a, what we called the Quest Seminar back in the day when we got mm -hmm. grant funding for new courses um, that organized a community conversation at our university. And so I worked with one of our now emeritus professors in philosophy, Gary Shapiro, and we organized a seminar on philosophy and rhetoric through the idea of the gift. And we had a, a, a really productive time of mentoring undergraduate student research um, in that seminar. And then I taught another seminar on the gift where, again, uh, on my own, worked with students um, on their research projects. And I think every student who came through those two classes helped shape my vision of this book and, um, and how to speak through some of these issues with um, greater nuance than I would if I hadn't been in a position of working with mm -hmm. students. But in particular, one student was my research assistant for several years, Christina Sharp. She's now a prof assistant professor of um, family communication. Oh, yeah, yeah it's so exciting. Yes. And she and I worked, she was a German major 
while she was here and a rhetoric and communication studies uh, double major. And she worked with me organizing and cataloging various um, tropes and figures in the ancient Greek um, uh, rhetorical catalog to think about um, which tropes and figures have been understudied and could be useful in thinking about uh, a, a revolution in rhetoric theorized through the gift. So lots of students were involved in this yeah. project. So it was a group effort. It was yes. very much a group effort, yes. Mm. Well, following up on that, how would you envision undergraduate students using this book for study and research, either here or at other universities and colleges? I think what I like most about this book for undergraduates not just the content and the argument and the ideas, but I work really hard in this book to expose every dimension of the evidence that I'm drawing from the primary texts. Um, so for example, one of my early chapters is a catalog of citations of Aristotle's appropriation of Homer. And this catalog is, um, is complicated to, to code and bring forth this evidence from the Greek um, and then I, I lay it out for, for everybody to see. Now, I run with that evidence in a particular kind of way for the remaining chapters, but that evidence is there now. It's cataloged. Mm -hmm. Students can run with it in any way they want to run with it. And so not only does the catalog help them see the steps I take in my method and you know, in my vision of doing scholarly work, methodology, how to do this work, how to work with primary texts with great care and exactitude, but also creativity. Um, but then get, they have this catalog where they can just run with whatever idea lights in their mind. They, it's now theirs mm -hmm. to create from. So that's what I would like to see happen someday. Oh, so that's part of your gift. Oh, yes. thank you. Oh. <laughs> Good. Very nice. And our last question, how did library services support you in writing this book? In every way, including this podcast. I mean, <laughs> I will keep writing this book forever, even though this version of it is out. It's not done. There's so much work to do here. So thank you for this podcast and the library support of communicating our work um, to broader audiences. Um, but in every way, we have uh, robust collections at the University of Richmond in ancient Greek uh, cultures and in rhetoric. Um, our, uh, our collections are remarkable for an undergraduate library and I use them. Um, I really love that faculty can keep books for as long as they need them because I have some of our library books on my shelf that I forget are not mine because they've been there so long and I use them all the time in in the work for this book. And then of course, everything from um, the um, online databases, which are really abundant and so helpful to interlibrary loan services, to delivery of books to my office, everything the library did made this book possible. And now with this podcast is helping to generate um, more audience, so thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Mifsud, for your conversation. Rhetoric and the Gift, Ancient Rhetorical Theory, and Contemporary Communication is available in Boatwright Library and the University Bookstore.